Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Chelsea. And this is Camp Final Girls. Hello, everybody. Hello. Check one, check two. Check, check, check. (laughs) So how's your week been? (laughs) Where do I even start? So on Wednesday, I decided to go tour an apartment. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to (laughs) move. By Saturday, I already have moved. I'm in, but it's literally a disaster in here. Like, it looks like. I don't even know a crack a tornado? House or something. <laughs> a tornado hit it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yesterday my daughter wanted to watch TV so bad that she was like determined to find the Xbox and she literally was just opening boxes and just Throwing taking stuff it. out. Oh, no. I was just like, oh, okay. And it's really hard too because I had a lot of help from like my sister's husband and my best friend's husband, and they helped a lot with moving the bigger furniture, but the rest of it, I have to do myself. Uh, yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, I, I've moved so many times, but this last, like the last time I moved, it, you know, it was by myself. Well, I had help, but like I was doing it on my own because I, I had just got divorced. So, I mean, it's I'm I literally still have stuff in my trunk because I had so much stuff that I just it was too overwhelming. I'm like, forget it. I could just <laughs> yeah, but you have trunk. three able-bodied teenagers. Yeah, but they're also so, don't want to. <laughs> I don't like, care. I'll be like, get your Penelope has been helping. Like I would have her like carry stuff up and down that she could carry. And then I had her like put stuff away. Like she hasn't helped as much as like a normal person would, but she's also only six. So yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely getting better about having them help me. Like, I think I've just done it for so long that I enabled them not to. But now I'm just like, nope, now you're helping. Sorry, I'm not doing it on my own anymore. Good. They need to learn that. But how was your week? Um, It was, you know, just pretty busy. Um, But my son was able to get into this charter school um, which is a better fit for him. And it, it's kind of in his own, um, time instead of like, they just wanted him in school just to have him there knowing that he was way behind, you know, it's just like yeah. pointless to have him there. I was just yeah. like, you know, if he's not going to be doing anything or learning anything, then what's the point? So thankfully he told me about this one place and they're going to teach him, you know, things to do when he gets out of high school and to help him be an adult, you know, which is what he needs. Cause he kind Mm -hmm. of like, I feel like COVID just kind of made him socially um, have a lot of social anxiety from it, you know, and he's. Yeah. Everyone, I feel like, except for me. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're always a social butterfly. Nothing can keep you down. I'm like, I don't have social anxiety. I just have anxiety in general because like sitting, I'm just sitting in my apartment right now, just staring at all the shit everywhere and it's giving me anxiety. Well, yeah, I don't blame you because 
when I have a lot to do, I'm, I just look at it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get all of this done by myself? It's just, and then I just think these kids are better help me because this is not my mess. It's not fair. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm telling you, once I get this place in order, like it's staying that way, I will not let it become a mess. I will lose my mind. <laughs> yeah. I will lose it. Somebody will, will, somebody's head will get chopped off. I don't know. Something, <laughs> something will happen. But I do want to, um, I still need a few things. So that's the other thing too, is I really didn't realize how much stuff I just didn't have like pots and pans and like cooking utensils and dishes and trash cans, everything. Yeah. I'm like, now I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I need a stool for the kitchen because I can't reach some stuff. I need a tablecloth. I need just a lot of stuff. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. A lot of the stuff you can get on Amazon. So that's a good thing, you know? Yeah. But I live next door to a Dollar Tree and a Target. So well, yeah, like, that's true. Really, but- literally both are like five minutes away. Mm. Well, then there you go. <laughs> I know. I know. And I've been so blessed because my um, old roommate now, her, her and her family have just been so much help. They helped like move me. They helped pay for stuff. And mm-hmm. my, I was telling my mom about that. My mom's like, well, I'm going to, when I go out there, cause she's coming out here on the 19th, I guess mm-hmm. she's like, I was going to help you too. I was going to buy you some stuff. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, but you like, you know, it's nice to have, have help every once in a yeah. while and without asking it's, it feels good. So, I mean, it's well, good and I hate your life. getting help. You know me, I hate getting help. So like when they do it, I'm all, I'm like, not going to say no, because I do need help. But I feel so bad the whole time, like watching my sister's husband and my friend's husband, like move those couches because they're so, I tried to even just move it across the room. Mm -hmm. I couldn't even budget and it's two different pieces and watching them carry it up and down stairs. Like they were struggling and oh, I was man. like I felt so bad are I you on the so second bad. story yeah oh yeah of course because I I'm a single lady living with her child and I like want to try to not get murdered so that's <laughs> the goal yeah that's why I also want to get a camera for my front door my back door and my daughter's room just mm-hmm. to like keep an eye on stuff because I'm like it's a scary world out there. Oh, yeah. I thought about getting cameras, too, because even though I feel like this area, not a lot has happened, but you never know because there's a lot of, like, homeless people and stuff happens, like, around the area, like, down the way, but you never know. It could come, like, closer, and I just... Well, you live by the train tracks, too, and I always think yes. that there's, like, been a couple of murderers who are, like, literally, they would stop at his train stop kill somebody and then go back on the train and leave like um the basilica axe murders they think that that was what happened and oh like, really this was scary yeah they're like thinking because like where murders would happen is like along where the train would stop oh, not okay. that i'm trying to terrify you but oh yeah. great thanks <laughs> anytime girl anytime <clears throat> so this story i actually you know, it's kind of crazy because TikTok has been a very popular thing since COVID happened. It just kind of blew up. 
Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing a lot of like little clips of stories. And then I saw this one and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that this happened. So I looked more into it and I researched it and I was like, this is crazy. And it's, it's, it's sad, but you know, I don't, you may not know her by name, but what, as I tell the story, you're going to know who this person is. Um, so this is the story of the murder of Judith Barcy. Have you heard of her? Like I always say, I don't know, but usually when you get into the story, I'm like, oh yeah, I have heard that. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah. (laughs) So Judith was a rising star in the 1980s. She was born on June 6, 1978 in Los Angeles, California. Her parents were Yosef, I think that's how you say it, and Maria Vero Vatsis Barsi. I don't know how to say it because <laughs> that sounds incorrect, but I'll it, let you continue. It, it, yes. <laughs> they were um, Hungarian immigrants. So that's why okay. it's, hard, it's hard to say their name. <laughs> um, they actually both fled to the U.S. at different times due to the Hungarian People's Republic following the 1956 uprising. Um, her parents actually met in California when her mom was working at a restaurant. Um, Judith began her, her career as a child star at the tender age of five. I think I know what this one is. You do? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay. Continue though and I'll see. Her mother, Maria, began preparing her to become a star and even started to teach her how to pose and work on her posture. She was spotted while she was at an ice skating rink, eventually connecting with her agent, Ruth Hansen. <laughs> okay. I just think it's weird that like agents and managers like would be like at an ice rink with just watching kids and be like, you know what? You would be good for the pictures. Like it sounds <laughs> kind of creepy, but yeah, I, my mom is an agent and she does the same thing. Like she's like, <gasps> your child's like I'll literally watch the interaction she'll go up mm-hmm. to people and be like your child would be so good in like acting have you thought of doing that and at first people are so like you know taken aback because like mm-hmm. some ladies just like watching their child and <laughs> then they slowly are like oh, okay this lady wants to try to get my child famous but mm-hmm. such a weird concept to me <laughs> so do they just like go around places or do they happen to to just be there and then they see them yeah, because my mom, like, especially twins or, like, super ethnic, like, cute little kids or whatever, my mom will just go up and be like, uh, like, she'll just be like, oh, my gosh, your son is so gorgeous. And um, have you ever thought of, like, putting him in the movies or in commercials? And mm-hmm. um, like I said, like, the parents are always weirded out at first. Like, I could see mm-hmm. their face because I'm always <laughs> like, gosh, mom, you always have to do this. And she's like, well, you never know. And they're like. And the parents will always be like, I have thought about it, but I just never mm-hmm. did it or whatever. And then you never know. I mean, so many stars are discovered that way. Oh, Literally yeah. so many. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's just a weird concept to me. Like you're watching somebody else's kids and you're like, hey, your kid's attractive. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. want me to take some pictures of them? I know, especially when they're so young and this per- random person just goes up to you and you're like, hey, I'm like, how do you know it's not some creeper, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah. So um, Ruth actually helped her get some minor roles in television and even appearing in many commercials before she would gain momentum and get cast in some big movie roles. Some of her credits were on shows like Punky Brewster, The Love Boat, and Growing Pains. Her first prominent role would come when she was cast in the movie Jaws, The Revenge, playing Thea Brody. Judith started making a significant amount of money for her parents in the amount of around $100,000 a year. This would allow her parents to buy a modest-sized family home for the three of them. It was a three-bedroom house in West Hills uh, in Hollywood in 1985. So question, uh, just like wondering if you know, was this before or after the uh, Coogan laws came into effect? I don't know. It was in the early 80s, so I don't know when Coogan... Um, maybe you would know because your mom's into that. I, I don't know. I'm just like, cause I'm trying to think, you know, like kid actors today for people who don't know, like they, due to the Coogan laws, Coogan, did I say Coogan? Yeah. Due to the Coogan laws, they, um, parents are have to set up a Coogan account for their kids. So that what 20% or something like that go in of every job they take, go into this account so that they have a saving so that when they turn 18, they have access to that money because mm-hmm. I guess Coogan was an act, a child actor who his parents like took all of his money. So mm-hmm. I'm just, I was just curious about that. Yeah. I, I didn't find anything about that, but um, it could have been prior to that, but I'm, I don't really know the year that that was established. So I can't really say for sure. Um, but following her success, this would actually cause her father, Yosef, to start drinking very heavily, and he became a very angry person. He even what threatened, yeah, he threatened violence or death to Judith and her mother, Maria. He was jealous? Probably that he, she was getting famous and he didn't have control over her, maybe. I mean, who knows where his thought process was, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was. It's a Coogan loss was signed into effect in 1939. Oh, well, then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as this little girl became a huge star, she managed to hide this side of her life, the abuse in her home from her father, which does happen a lot of times, you know, which is kind of crazy to me because kids, they you would think that they'd be more open, but I feel like it's fear that keeps them from wanting to be open about it, or they just don't want to tell people. But I mean, I don't know. Well, it reminds me kind of of like Michael Jackson and his dad, you know, like Mm -hmm. his dad was evil to them when they were growing up, like trying to perfect them and stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. nobody knew about that until they were older too. Yeah. So um, Judith did admit to her friends though that her father would often throw objects at her which would cause her to get scratches and bruises on her body um after so much abuse was happening in her home and it wasn't until december 1986 that her mother maria would file a police report in which she stated that her husband began to choke her 
After he had already hit her in the face, he was threatening to kill her. But since she didn't have any visible injuries, and then she would eventually decline to prosecute him, which I'm thinking back then, like, I know before, I don't know when this happened, but domestic, it was up to the person that was being abused, whether or not they want to prosecute them. But now it's not up to the victim. It's up to the uh, DA. Yeah, it is. No, the victim can say, ask my sister. No, but I'm saying if they get arrested, the DA uh-huh, was, the DA will choose to prosecute or not. Well, I guess that's true. Cause like in my sister's situation, he was arrested because the cop saw it happen mm-hmm. and his, the ruling was that he had to do online manger, manger, <laughs> anger, anger, Are you tired? Oh God, I'm so tired. Anger management classes. <laughs> that was his ruling or whatever, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, I'm assuming that's what, why it happened. Cause she, they said she didn't want to prosecute him. Um, so I guess maybe they gave her a choice or because she didn't have any injuries. So it's not like they could have proof of it. So it's kind of like a, he said, she said kind of thing. So prior to Judith leaving to film the movie for Jaws, her father had threatened her with a knife stating, if you decide not to come back, I will cut your throat. She was terrified and was distraught. He was telling Judith, if you decide not to come back. Yes. Wasn't she five? Didn't she not um, have any choice? She wasn't five. She was, when she filmed Jaws, I believe she was, so she was born in 78. Um, Jaws filmed in 85 or 86. So how old would she be? Wait, what was the first year again? 78? <clears throat> yeah. So she was us, us doing math. <laughs> I know, right? They're going to be like, these people are dumb. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, she, she was five, six, seven, eight. She was eight. Okay. So yeah, it was uh, released in 1987. So I, I don't know how long like movies take to film. So just depends. And I'm yeah. sure Jaws so took she forever. Was, yeah. So she was probably like eight. Um, yeah. So can you imagine an eight-year-old? Like, that's just crazy. Yeah, but what is he talking about? If you don't come back, like, well, where else am I gonna go? I'm eight. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. Maybe he thought that she controlling. Was gonna... Yeah, exactly. Um, so Ruth Hansen, her agent, said she witnessed Judith's Judith's dad telling her, Remember what I told you before you left. Like, can you imagine, like, someone seeing that? You're just like, what? Like, what happened? Like, obviously, it's something that is serious. No, but also, I feel like child actors are put through a lot from their parents. I'm sure, like, even up back in the day, mm-hmm. they were probably like, oh, yeah, okay. So she left to film on location in the Bahamas for two months. She returned home, her father, well, when she returned home, her father continued the abuse. This would cause her to gain weight. She would even 
start to pull out her eyelashes as a coping mechanism, she even would pull out her cat's whiskers. Yeah. Like, that's how much trauma, like, it's Gosh, that's so sad. Like, I don't even know. I picture, like, her being tortured and so she like does it to the animal because mm-hmm. i don't know that's just maybe really maybe the animals like there and trying to comfort because you know how sometimes animals kind of feel your pain and they want to comfort you and she's probably holding on to it and she's like feeling the whiskers and because she's already pulling her eyelashes out she's probably like, like doing it unconsciously you know yeah or um well not unconscious because but but maybe also she um was doing it because like she was hurting herself while doing it and she's like well I don't want to hurt myself further and maybe it's just hurt the cat yeah I mean you never know when you're tortured like that yeah I mean I I wouldn't think as a child that she would intentionally want to hurt the animal she's probably just holding well I don't think kids really realize like what that means because like pulling out an eyelash it hurts yeah. but not that bad versus like pulling out a whisker like yeah. I don't think they realize the difference you know yeah that's true and so um on one occasion Judith's mother had bought her a kite and her father grabbed it from her and Judith was trying to take you know keep keep him from taking it trying to protect it and her father grabbed it called her a spoiled brat and then broke it so spoiled brat sir she bought your house yeah right <laughs> that's horrible like all she horrible. wanted to do was play with the kite her have a kite her. and kites are freaking cheap too yeah like, what are you talking about and you're spending all her money like yeah it's crazy horrible. um friends would even say that judith had complained about what was going on at her home saying i'm afraid to go home my daddy is miserable my daddy is drunk every day and I know he wants to kill my mother. Like, but that's just crazy as a child. Yeah. Like, like that you can comprehend that. Like, you well, know, yeah. your dad well, wants yeah, to do Yeah, because he's that. saying it. He's literally saying it, you know? He's not hiding Horrible. it. He says it to both of them. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, one of their neighbors actually told the LA Times that Yosef told them, I'm probably saying his name wrong. I don't know how to say his name. But it's spelled J-O-Z-S-E-F. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Or it could just be Joseph. Yeah, I don't know. I'll just say say Joseph. I don't know. You you started it. You just got to keep keep with it. Um, So he told um, the neighbor that he wanted to kill his wife. It was like over 500 times. Uh, The neighbor tried to call Hey. I want to kill my wife. Yeah. And they're like, can you imagine like hearing your neighbor saying that? Like, wouldn't you mm-hmm. think like you would want to call the cops or something? This man is I like, I would call the cops like the first time I heard yeah. domestic violence anywhere. I'd be like, cops, cops. I mean, this is LA County. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, knows? what are the cops going to do? Nothing. Yeah, who knows? And it was the <laughs> 80s. So, I don't really know. But um, the neighbor was trying to calm him down, and they they even said, "What's going to happen to your little one if you kill their mother?" And he says, "I'm going to kill her too." Like, 
Can you? Yeah. Like that's- well, that's literally like textbook narcissistic abusive guy because and it's like rolling yeah. off his tongue like it's like no big deal like oh yeah I'm gonna kill my wife and her well for what reason like I just he's a psychopath I mean, yeah I mean sociopath whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah um other neighbor neighbors even claim that he told them he would kill himself and Judith and leave Maria alive to suffer um, many of Judith's friends offered to help and she refused to take refuge at their home. She just didn't want any help. I think she just wanted to try to keep it as private as possible or she felt, I mean, I don't well, really know. I, as a kid, maybe she didn't want to leave her mom at home alone. Like she thought it would be worse if she wasn't there. No, her mom. Oh, I thought you said Judith. <clears throat> I said Judith's mother. Oh. <laughs> no the, the well, mom had a lot of you become to help you, it's like that like I was saying earlier it's like a trauma bond or like a mm-hmm. Stockholm syndrome where you're like scared to leave or like you're still attached to them even though they're horrible mm-hmm. it's like that kind of thing yeah that happens a lot I've noticed that it's hard to leave relationships that you know are bad and even um life-threatening you know you can't mm-hmm. you feel like you can't leave you feel like there's nowhere to turn and well you feel like if you leave like that's your fault the relationship failed like you you didn't stick you it blame out yourself or, you know yeah and it's it's so sad sad really sad um in may 1988 ruth hansen saw how bad judith really was for the first time judith was scheduled for an audition but started to cry hysterically and couldn't talk She eventually opened up to her and told her what was happening at her home. Ruth ordered her mother, Maria, to take her daughter to seek professional help. Uh, When Judith went to go see a child psychologist, they had evaluated what they saw was a result of abuse that she even, or that she had gone through, (laughs) and they (laughs) immediately reported it to Child Protective Services. Although there was an investigation, Maria assured the service agency that she was going to plan on filing for divorce and would move out of the house. Maria rented an apartment for her and Judith to live in, and she would spend days there, but then she would eventually go back home to her husband. Mm -hmm. It seemed like it was more of a place for her to get away for a while, and then Mm -hmm. she just... She just wasn't ready to leave. She hesitated to move out permanently because obviously she had that trauma bond or whatever was going through her head. She just felt she couldn't leave. Yeah, like breaking up a family. Mm-hmm. And he was probably very dominant. So, you know, the control that he had over her was so strong that she just felt like she couldn't leave. No, no matter how much she wanted to, it was just the the control he had on her was just too strong. Yeah. Um, by the time she felt like she was strong enough to leave, it would be too late. On Wednesday, July 28th, 1988, just a few months after the initial session with a psychologist, psychologist, <laughs> psychologist <laughs> Judith and her parents' death were reported in the LA Times The family's neighbor called the police around 8.30 a.m. after hearing a gunshot, likely that of the father who was found in the garage. 
three bodies would be found in the home from a murder-suicide. Gasoline had been poured over Judith and her mother. They were all shot in the head once. It was believed that, that they had died days prior since Judith was due to audition for a role with Hannah Barbara on July 25th. Maria was 40. Oh my gosh, isn't that the Hannah Barbara is like Scooby Doo? Sure. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you would know. Okay. I do know. <laughs> Maybe it could be. I do know. Yeah. Um, Maria was 48 and Judith was only 10 when, when they died. During- is Judith the girl who did the voice of Ducky on Land Before Time? Yes, and that's what I yeah. was going to say. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure that's who we were talking about. But yes. I just to sure. No, it is. So during her short life, Judith appeared in over 70 commercials and nine movies. She appeared posthumous. Wait, how do you say that? Post, like after you die, posthumously? Yeah, I know what you're saying, but... <laughs> I don't think... I'm obviously not saying it right, but whatever. No. Yeah. Anyway, after death, I'll just say... Yes. <laughs> in The Land Before Time as Ducky and All Dogs Go to Heaven as Anne-Marie. Mm-hmm. The closing Oh, credit, I love that movie. I know. I didn't even realize... That's why I was like, oh my gosh, this little girl had everything going for her. She, she had a, like, full... Like, imagine she was a childhood star in the 80s and 90s. And then she would probably grow up to be just like somebody we know yeah. today as like a household name. Mm-hmm. So sad. Yeah. And in the closing credits of those movies, they dedicated it to her life. The director praised okay. Judith for being absolutely astonishing, likening her to older actors of her time. Judith now rests in the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Los Angeles next to her mother. Ducky's signature line, yep, 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 was put on her gravestone. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I, I, I loved that movie girl. <laughs> oh, me I, too. I just, I can't, it's so freaking sad. Like, it is uh, really sad because it just goes to show you, like, it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are. Like, she was a little girl who had so much going for her. She made really good money and, like, mm-hmm. something like that still happened to her. It's so sad. So yeah. Sad. And what's crazy is that the home was eventually sold and the family that bought it, they didn't know that that happened until later. Mm-hmm. And um, so 19 years earlier, they wait, won- they didn't have to tell them or is that like a more modern thing where you have to tell them for like five probably, years? Probably more <laughs> modern. I'm assuming because when yeah. they first bought it, they didn't know. And then once they felt, cause they felt like cold spots and a dark presence around the house. And after finding out about the murders, they, they contacted Murder House Flip. I don't know if you ever heard that show. <laughs> no. no. Murder never, House Flip? Yeah, I've never heard it either. Is that a thing still today? I have no clue. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> I feel like I would have yeah. heard about it if it was. I don't know. They, they contacted that show and um, the production team was brought in to update the home. Gabby Brunell uh, was... Her family is the one that bought the home. She claimed mm-hmm. to have nightmares while sleeping in the same room where Judith was murdered. For two decades, the Brunel family had been living in the home. At first, they didn't know what happened, but they claimed that even the garage door would open on its own. So the murder house designers and experts, Jolie 
a seal. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> and Mikel Welch. I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm sorry. To trans- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, they transformed the home. Within three days, they gutted the room of the child star and used amethyst crystals to decorate and ease their worries. Gabby claims feeling bad energy um, had dissipated after they helped them. So, so this is just like making me think of, because like I said, I just moved into an apartment and they didn't tell me somebody died here or anything, but I know these apartments have been here for like at least 15, 20 years. And um, I'm sorry, changing the subject for a minute, but so I got this like three tiered, like skeleton thing like a halloween decoration Mm -hmm. from my work because they're selling the property so they're like oh you could take stuff from the back this and that and i was like oh cool don't have to tell me twice so i took this skull and it's supposed to like the eyes are supposed to light up and it's supposed to like make sounds Mm -hmm. and it wasn't and i couldn't figure out how to get it work to work and so i put it on the storage unit in my balcony Mm -hmm. and (laughs) me and my friend were like standing on my balcony yesterday like looking for the door dasher because it's such a hot mess trying to find this place mm-hmm. and all of a sudden we hear <laughs> oh my god I was like what the hell is that and I opened the storage closet and my skeleton stack was going off and I was like I literally for the last two days have been trying to figure out how to get that to work and it's sitting in the closet oh my god it starts going off and so I was telling my friend, I was like, that's really scary. And she, she was telling me her, her husband, her <laughs> grandpa is like a, he used to be like a, I don't know, something. I'm not, I'm not going to say something random. I don't even know, but she's <laughs> like, he could come by and like bless your apartment and like bless every room if, if you mm-hmm. want. And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, you never know. You never yeah. know what happened. Mm-hmm. In a because like I said, I think they have to tell you for five to seven years. And if this place has been here for 15 to 20 and it's just me and my daughter in here, mm-hmm. girl, I'm uh, scared. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. I can't imagine like not knowing and you move into this house and a murder happens. Like, yeah. And, and think about it. This man was abusive and he probably has so much dark energy and he's going to haunt that place. Uh-huh. Oh, hell so yeah. He's going to do everything in his power to attach himself there and just. And he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that like his daughter and his wife aren't able to get their message through from the other mm-hmm. side, you know, like control them even after death. Yeah, that's so sad. Like, I can't imagine like these poor souls that were tortured and were killed. And I'm hoping that they imagine, were able- like to like go to heaven or something and not like stay oh for um, sure for sure I feel like they were yeah for sure and also it's just like it's really sad like I can't imagine if I had a daughter who was thriving doing so well working hard she was so young and my husband was just like an alcoholic and he like hated it and didn't like it and like was doing those things to like I mean, not to victim shame or anything, but I would have left a long time ago Mm because like, that's just so sad. But again, I'm not victim shaming. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's really sad. But you see it so many times. I've seen so many stories and, you know, I've, I've just seen it happen personally. And it's, it's hard. It's hard for these people to leave. And you're just like thinking in your head, why, why can't you just leave? But then you just sometimes you just can't 
sometimes yeah. you just feel stuck and sometimes I know it takes and look at what lot. it leads to yeah, yeah. Like, what is rock, rock bottom what's going to be the last thing yeah. that hopefully not death like yeah. hopefully it's something else that will get mm-hmm. you to leave but it's like I don't know it's so sad those situations because like I don't know I've been in one relationship that was really bad and it ended horribly because I let it go on too long but I feel like if I was being physically harmed or my child was being physically harmed I wouldn't I wouldn't say but I don't know because I've never been in that situation I just I don't know um so I think it's important to just let them know like do a shout out to the national domestic violence hotline to let them know that no matter they can get help you know, yes. um, you can just, even if you feel like you can't, you can. Well, um, a lot of people, women don't leave because they don't have any place to go yeah. or sometimes their husband they, or boyfriend or whoever don't allow them to work. So they don't have income. They probably don't realize how much this hotline can help them, you know? Mm-hmm. So the number is 1-800-799-7233. So if you know anybody, just give them the number or just call for yourself, you know, it's yeah. just, it, anything helps, you know, just get the message out there. Yeah. Domestic violence is such a sad, it's such a sad thing that happens all that it's such a common thing too, that I feel like I just can't imagine like the world is already evil mm-hmm. enough to us as it is. And then you have to deal with that at home. But, yeah. Your partner horrible. Mm-hmm. yeah or even sometimes it's like your parents you know yeah. like your parents yeah, exactly. are horrible like that happens all the time too with child abuse and stuff and it's mm-hmm. I can't imagine being like Judith like being oh, yeah. hopeless and defenseless and like the one man in your life who you're supposed to want like look up to and you would hope would be proud of you for doing all these things in your life and he not just, just that, but be your protector, you know, but he's, yeah. the, he's the one that's harming her. And yeah, know, this little girl only had 10 years of her life and she didn't get to live. No. And she did so much in those 10 years. Imagine if she had lived 80 years. Yeah. Crazy. Really sad. So sad. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate it and we see it. And, you know, if you have any thoughts or whatever just let us know and yes and again follow us on instagram at camp final girls pod yes and also like and share and post and go on spotify and apple music and rate us um any feedback positive or negative is you know helpful to yes. us and it Much helps appreciate it for sure yes all right thank you guys Thanks, and guys. have a good night night bye bye